This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Twitter is considering selling usernames to generate new revenue, according to two people with knowledge of this plan. And engineers at the social media company have discussed the possibility of running online auctions where users can bid for usernames, which are the words, numbers, or string of characters that follow the at sign by which accounts are identified on the platform. It's unclear if the project will move forward, and if it does, whether it will affect all usernames or only a subset of the usernames. Now, the social media company has been in turmoil since its acquisition by Elon Musk for $44 billion in October. And given the high price tag of the deal, Elon is under pressure to make the purchase a huge success. And to that end, he slashed expenses at Twitter, ordering layoffs, cutting other costs, and stopping vendor payments. However, he's also looking for new avenues to make money as Twitter experiences a sharp downturn in ad revenue. One of the new revenue streams he's considered is a revamped subscription plan where users pay for verification badges. The company has also filed paperwork with the Treasury Department to process payments. And Mr. Musk has said he has visions of creating an everything app similar to China's WeChat, which more than a billion people use to find news, connect to friends, make payments, order food. You can basically do everything on WeChat. And unique usernames, also known as handles, can be lucrative. They're often claimed by earlier adopters of social media platforms, and some people and brands are willing to pay thousands of dollars for them. Black markets have even sprung up where people can buy OG usernames that are desired because they feature a short word or a number and may have been abandoned by their owners. But Twitter's rules forbid the buying and selling of handles, But the trade has previously attracted hackers. And in 2020, a 17-year-old in Florida was arrested after hacking Twitter to obtain usernames to sell, compromising the accounts of Elon Musk and other celebrities. Now, Telegram, a popular messaging platform, said it would let people auction their handles in October. Now, Elon plans to eliminate inactive accounts on Twitter and free up 1.5 billion usernames, igniting concerns among some who feared the company would delete the accounts of people who had died and whose Twitter pages were used to memorialize them. And as of July, the last time the company reported financial figures, Twitter had nearly 238 million daily active users who saw advertisements. Twitter primarily makes money through advertising, and the company offers a variety of advertising formats, including promoted tweets, promoted accounts, and promoted trends. And these formats allow advertisers to reach specific audiences and drive engagement with their content. And Twitter also offers a suite of targeting options, such as keywords, interests, and behaviors, which allows advertisers to reach specific audiences based on their demographics, interests, and online behavior. Additionally, Twitter offers a self-service advertising platform, which allows small and medium-sized businesses to create and manage their own advertising campaigns. 
Twitter also generates revenue from data licensing and other partnerships, and the company provides access to its data to businesses and organizations for research and analysis, and it also partners with other companies to integrate its data into their products and services. Twitter also continues to lay off employees, with Mr. Musk reducing the company's workforce by about 75% from the 7,500 employees it had at the time that he took over. It's worth noting that the potential sale of usernames by Twitter raises several ethical concerns. One of the main issues is the possible violation of users' privacy, as their personal information could be exposed to third parties if their usernames are sold. Additionally, it could lead to potential exploitation of users by third parties who may purchase usernames for the sole purpose of exploiting the personal information and data of the account's followers. Now, another concern is the possibility of creating a digital divide against users, where those who can afford to purchase a desirable username would have an advantage over those who cannot. And this could lead to an unequal distribution of power and influence on the platform which could harm the overall user experience. Now, furthermore, the sale of usernames would also raise questions about the ownership and control of online identities. Users have invested time and effort into building their online presence, and the sale of their usernames would strip them of control over their online identity. This could have serious implications for personal branding, professional networking, and even poor personal privacy. Hey, I need to ask you a real quick favor. If you could hit the subscribe button on whatever podcast platform that you're listening on, it would really help out the show tremendously. We continue to grow and evolve the show with your help. And if you really love the show, please give it a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. It really does help us grow the show. And I'll continue to produce higher quality shows because of you. Thank you so much for your support. Now let's move on to some other Twitter news. Twitter CEO Elon Musk has confirmed that the character limit for tweets will increase from 280 to 4,000 characters early next month. And this feature, which was first proposed in December, is one of the number of changes for the social media platform that the tech billionaire plans to roll out over the coming months after purchasing it for $44 billion last October. The increase in character length will be only the second time in Twitter's 17-year history that has changed the limit, having previously boosted the original 140 limit to 280 in 2017. And Mr. Musk explained that the long-form tweets would get the same timeline screen space as other tweets, but you will be able to click for more. And it's part of a much larger user interface overhaul, which will include the ability to swipe between recommended and followed tweets, as well as a bookmark feature that will function as a silent like button. We will also be adding simple formatting features like bold, underline, and font size later this quarter. That's what Elon tweeted. And the goal is to allow people to publish long form natively on Twitter rather than forcing them to use another website. And Twitter will continue to recommend brevity in tweets. And the update may bring an end to lengthy Twitter threads, which have become a popular way of sharing longer form content since the functionality was introduced in 2017. Now, some Twitter users criticize the latest long form features, which you know some were claiming that the brevity of tweets distinguishes Twitter from other platforms like Facebook or Medium. And Twitter content is supposed to be short and to the point. That's the part of its appeal, wrote fashion blogger Cat Moon, and tweets aren't meant to be full blog posts. 
Now, there's other people that are criticizing this as well. Now, film critic Noah Jittle wrote, anyone who posts a long-form tweet is an automatic block. Other Twitter users suggested the feature could be a ploy to get people to subscribe to Twitter Blue, an $8 per month premium version of the platform that allows users to edit their tweets, a feature that would be particularly useful for fixing spelling or grammatical errors in lengthy posts. And to increase the uh, character limit, it's significant for Twitter. It's a huge change, and it remains to be seen how it will affect the platform and its users. On one hand, it could lead to more in-depth and meaningful conversations as users will have more space to express their thoughts and ideas, and this could lead to a more engaged community and more diverse range of content on the platform. And on the other hand, it could lead to more clutter and noise as users may feel compelled to fill the extra space with unnecessary information. Additionally, the increase in character limit could also change the way users consume content on the platform. Long-form tweets may take longer to read and may require more focus and attention. This could potentially lead to a less passive scroll-through experience in a more active, engaged audience. And it's worth considering the implications for the businesses, brands, and individuals who use Twitter as a marketing tool and this increase in character limit could give them more opportunities to share more detail and informative content, but it could also make it more challenging to get their message across in a clear and concise manner. A few days ago, SpaceX rolled Booster 7 down Highway 4, about the 1.5 mile drive from the production facility down to the launch site and put it on the orbital launch mount. Now, they also lifted Ship 24 on top of Booster 7, and they're readying it for its first orbital flight test. Now, Elon said there's a possibility that Starship could launch within the next few months, either February, but more than likely March of 2023. On January 12th, 2023, Elon Musk posted a picture, a beautiful photo of a fully stacked Starship at Starbase, Texas. And the caption to that tweet said, Starship launch attempt soon. So he's ramping this up. He's pumping us up for a ship launch sometime in the next few months. At NASA Spaceflight replied to Elon and said, does this sound about right, Elon? Cryo test today, then wet dress rehearsal next week. Destack the ship and the booster for 33 engine static fire. Final TPS work on 24, restack, launch license, possible end of February, early March, if all goes well per your previous timeline. Elon replied with, that's a good guess. Now let's go through each one of these scenarios. This show is brought to you by Backblaze. I use Backblaze to back up my podcast, my video files all of my writing stuff and all my photos. And you get unlimited computer backup for Macs and PCs for just $7 a month. You can back up your own documents, photos, videos, drawings, projects, all of your data and access your backed up data from anywhere in the world using the web app. And you can access the files on your mobile too. iOS, Android apps, all covered. And this is the cool part. This is my favorite part. You can restore it by mail. A hard drive will come to your house with all your data shipped to your door. It could come to your business too. And you can restore return refund program. So you can buy a hard drive restore, send the hard drive back within 30 days and get a full refund. So basically they ship you this hard drive and then you ship it back and you don't ever pay for it, which is the perfect program for somebody who has huge files and you don't want to waste 
days and days downloading terabytes and teraflops of data. And if you're worried about accidentally deleting your files, two bucks extra a month, you can increase your retention history to one year. And I use it for all of my video files. It comes in super handy. So $7 plus $2, $9 a month, and you get everything backed up. Ease of mind for up to a year. And if you use the URL backblaze.com slash Elon, you get a fully featured 15-day no credit card required free trial. Check it out. Play with it. Start protecting yourself from potential bad times. Back your stuff up. It's recommended by the New York Times, Inc., Macworld, PC World, LifeWire, Wired, Tom's Guide, 9to5Mac, and more. And it's recently been listed on the NASDAQ Stock Exchange under BLZE, so you know they're legit. Backblaze is committed more than ever to bringing easy and affordable data storage that you can trust. Don't be that person that forgot to back up their important files. We've got your back. Sign up for a free 15-day trial. No credit card required. Go there, sign up, play with it. It's really powerful and it's really easy to use. So go to backblaze.com slash Elon. Backblaze.com slash Elon. Backblaze.com slash Elon. This is the smell of the leftover tuna fish sandwich you left in your lunchbox over the weekend in a wimpy trash bag. Wimpy, wimpy, wimpy. Blech. And this is the smell of that same sandwich in a hefty, ultra-strong trash bag. Hefty, hefty, hefty! Ah, <sighs> smell the difference? Hefty Ultra Strong has Arm & Hammer with continuous odor control, so no matter what's inside your trash, hmm, you can stay one step ahead of Stinky. And for bigger jobs, try the superior strength of Hefty Large Black Bags. They're going to be doing a cryogenic test, basically testing all the pipes, all of the interiors of the booster and the Starship. And the next generation of launch vehicles from companies such as SpaceX, Blue Origin, and United Launch Alliance will rely on liquid methane as a fuel source. However, in order for the liquid methane to remain in its liquid state, it must be stored at temperatures of negative 160 degrees Celsius. That's about 260 degrees Fahrenheit or below. And unlike the launch vehicle itself, where the propellants are pumped into its internal tanks only a few minutes to a couple of hours before launch, the fuel stored at the launch site can be stored for up to several weeks in advance of the actual launch date. And to accommodate for the need for cryogenic storage, specifically designed tanks are needed to keep the fuels cold without necessarily deploying active or permanent cooling. Continuous venting or boiling off of the gas evaporating as the cryogenic liquid warms up is not an option since the fuel needs to remain inside the tanks for several days or longer, and the continuous replacement of the lost propellant will be extremely expensive and labor-intensive. A typical cryogenic propellant tank situated at a launch facility consists of a double-walled spherical steel structure, and the inner wall acts as a pressure vessel that contains the liquid, while the outer wall shields the inner wall from direct heat exposure. To stop the heat, that reaches the outer wall from being conducted through air particles to the inner wall, a vacuum is created in the space between the two walls so that no particles are present to conduct the heat to the inner structure. However, by simply having a clear line of sight between the two walls, heat can still reach the inner wall through a process called radiation heat transfer. And to prevent this from happening, an insulation material, typically perlite, is placed in the vacuum between the two walls. NASA has improved on this type of insulation with a hydrogen storage tank built at Launch Complex 39B at Kennedy Space Center by replacing the perlite 
with specially designed glass bubbles, resulting in a 48% reduction in the boil-off of evaporated gas. By implementing these techniques in the construction of cryogenic storage tanks, some heating as well as the resulting pressure buildup on venting will still occur, but will be dramatically reduced to an evaporation rate of only approximately 0.03% per day. This allows the propellant to be stored safely and efficiently at the launch site in advance of the launch date. And it is crucial for the success of these launch vehicles that the cryogenic storage tanks are able to maintain the liquid and using heavy double-walled steel tanks for an orbital launch vehicle isn't really feasible due to their weight making it difficult to lift off. Additionally, it is a known fact that some evaporation and loss of propellant will occur as soon as it enters a rocket's internal tanks, which is why fueling is typically delayed until the last possible moment before launch. And as cryogenic propellants are pumped into an orbital rocket, they start to warm up and evaporate, causing a dangerous pressure buildup that can rupture these tanks. To prevent this, rockets usually vent the boiled off gas into the atmosphere. This means that the fuel inside the vehicle is constantly being replenished to replace the lost propellant. Cryogenic propellants are dangerous to handle and extremely difficult to keep cold, especially for extended periods without any form of active cooling. Then the team would move on to a wet dress rehearsal, and that is a pre-flight test conducted to check the readiness of a launch vehicle and its ground support systems. It's typically done close to the scheduled launch date and simulates the entire launch countdown process, including the fueling of the rocket with liquid propellants. The term wet refers to the fact that the rocket is fully loaded with fuel as opposed to a dry dress rehearsal where the rocket is not fueled at all. And during the wet dress rehearsal, the countdown sequence is simulated, including the loading of liquid propellants into the rocket's tanks and testing of all the systems such as communications, guidance, navigation, all the ground crew as well, and the launch abort systems. The objective of this test is to check for any issues or malfunctions that may occur during the launch and to ensure that the rocket, the launch pad, and ground support systems are working properly. It's also used to check and test the coordination of all parties involved, such as launch crews, meteorologists, safety teams, recovery crews, and to make sure that they are ready and prepared for an actual launch. And after the wet dress rehearsal is complete, they'll destack ship 24 from the top of booster 7 and they'll move it to the side away from the booster so it's safe. And then they'll take the booster's 33 Raptor engines and do a static fire. That means lighting the engines as if they would launch, but they wouldn't actually launch the rocket. They do it with less fuel and also less propulsion. And then finally, the TPS which are the tiles on ship 24. Well, sometimes they shake loose during these tests. So they'll do a final checkout of these tiles, the heat tiles that will protect the rocket when it comes back into the Earth's atmosphere. And then they'll restack the rocket on top of booster seven, acquire the launch license from the FAA, and then possibly end of February, early March will be the launch of Starship Super Heavy from Boca Chica Starbase, Texas. The SpaceX Cargo Dragon spacecraft has successfully returned to Earth after completing its mission of delivering NASA supplies to the International Space Station. The spacecraft, which was launched on this 26 Commercial Resupply Services 2 mission, the CRS-2, 
by a Falcon 9 rocket left the ISS on January 9th. And using its Draco thrusters, it lowered its orbit over a period of 36 hours before entering Earth's atmosphere. This Dragon capsule, known as C-211, employed its heat shield to slow down from a speed of 7.5 kilometers per second, or 16,800 miles per hour, to about 155 meters per second, about 350 miles per hour before deploying its parachutes. January 11th, the capsule gently landed in the waters off the coast of Tampa, Florida, and was quickly recovered by a SpaceX ship. SpaceX's second-generation cargo dragon is almost exactly identical to the Crew Dragon. Both are made up of two parts. One's a reusable capsule and an expendable trunk. The trunk is a tube-like carbon fiber composite structure that's skinned with curved solar arrays and radiators. And it can also hold several tons of unpressurized cargo, making it very valuable to send things to the International Space Station. Now the capsule it holds a pressure vessel, environmental control systems, and all 16 Draco thrusters, propellant tanks, docking systems, docking systems, and a heat shield. And in the case of a Crew Dragon, the capsule is outfitted with windows, but with the Cargo Dragon, there's none of that. There's no windows, there's no seats, there's no controls and there's no launch abort thrusters. And after the Cargo Dragon successfully landed, the cargo was swiftly transferred to a helicopter for transport and scientists were able to access their experiments from the ISS just a few hours after the Dragon splashdown. The Dragon spacecraft brought back several scientific investigations to Earth, including radiation protection. It's a vest designed to protect astronauts from high doses of radiation, caused by unpredictable solar particle events, and it was tested for months on the ISS. The crew members provided feedback on its ease of use, fit, comfort, and range of motion, and the developers will use this feedback to improve the design of the vest, which could be used for radiation protection during the Artemis missions to the moon and also to Mars missions in the future. There was also a gardening experiment for plant growth. The X-Roots investigation used hydroponic and aeroponic techniques to grow plants without soil or other growth media. Researchers collected video and still images to evaluate growth chambers through the plant life cycle from seed germination through maturity, and the plant chambers are being returned to Earth for further analysis. Similar techniques could be used to produce crops for future space missions and to enhance cultivation and food security for the benefit of people on Earth. And also, there's another one, bioprospecting. It's a process of identifying plants and animals that may contain substances with potential for use as drugs, biochemicals, and more. Previous studies found that space can cause genetic and physiological changes that could result in microbes yielding such materials. Rhodium microgravity bioprospecting one studied a way to search for these microbes. And the science chambers and temperature logger from the investigation are returning to Earth for future examination. Hey, thank you for listening to the episode. If you could take a second and please hit the subscribe button. Help me out a little bit here. And maybe if you're up for it, leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. That would be insanely cool. That helps out the show tremendously. The team really couldn't do this without you. So thank you so much. When Shopify says you can sell anywhere, oh, they mean it. Ooh, hold up. Just got a new sale. Order fulfilled and shipped. Inventory level's good. Whoa, Shopify doesn't mind if you're at sea level. Or on top of the world. Ah, you can run and grow your business anywhere. 
climbing mountains is never easy, but at least Shopify gives me all the tools I need for my business to hit new beats. Whether you're selling carabiners or crop tops, start selling with Shopify today and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. We've built the platform so you can keep climbing and grow your business to new heights. With Shopify, you really can sell to anyone from anywhere. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Start selling online today. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash free22. Shopify.com slash free22. Shopify.com slash free22. Internet connection required. Not available on mountaintops or seafloors.